Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. It's so good to uh, just be back uh, in his word together and and just sharing his word and being here with you all. And I believe um, God's going to continue to speak to us this question in which we started, a question in which we started last week. And we kind of answered it, and we spent some time looking into Psalm chapter 62. I'm going to get away from Psalm 62, though I'll I'll go back to it occasionally, but I'm going to... Just stray away from it today. I feel like we did a lot of that last week. And uh, the question was that we answered, it was, what do you expect? And we talked a little bit about that. Go back and listen to, to last week's message, and, and you'll see kind of what we meant and uh, what we were saying when it came to that question and, and how we kind of twisted it in a sense uh, and how the Lord was speaking it to us. But we read all of Psalm 62 But I want to just go ahead and revisit one of the verses. It's verse 5. As we get ready to start in this message today. And I'm going to continue with this. It's our second part of this. And uh, we've answered that my expectation is from the Lord. And that's kind of what we're going to continue with with this title. What do you expect? The answer is my expectation is from the Lord. And um, in verse 5 of Psalm 62, we read this. And it says, My soul waits silently for God alone. Remember this scripture? He says, for my expectation, the psalmist says, my expectation is from him. My expectation or my hope is from him. And the psalmist says this and defines this so beautifully throughout this chapter. And we were reminded that our expectation, just as it is said here, is from the Lord. How many of you could testify of that? My expectation is... Is from the Lord, not just in the Lord, we said, but it's also from the Lord. So whether a moment of rejoicing or whether you're in a moment of mourning, we don't just place our expectation in the Lord, but also understand that our expectation is from the Lord. And that's totally different when we're in a situation. When we're in a situation and it may be a difficult situation or it may be a joyous a situation, you can say, well, I just hope in the Lord, or I just expect in the Lord, or I just have faith in the Lord. My expectation is in the Lord, and that's good, but we need to also understand that in those moments, our expectation is also from the Lord. So if there is an expectation, that means, we've kind of defined this, and we'll define this a little bit more, it, it just didn't arrive naturally, expectation, hope did not just arrive naturally. I think we could all say that it is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. It has been downloaded, and that's a word we used a lot last week. Got to go back and listen to the message. It has been downloaded in us. It's been downloaded. He has, I wrote this down. I, I think it makes sense like this. He has gracefully given us the ability to have expectation in him. It's through his grace, through his goodness, that he's given us this gift that we can have expectation in him. I want to give you the definition of expectation. I didn't do it last week, but I'll do it today. It's this. It's a strong belief 
that something will happen or be the case in the future. That's what the word expectation means. That's, that's how it's defined if you go to like Webster's or whatnot. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. We're going to go back to that because I feel like when I read that, it means something. And you'll see what I mean. But what a gift this is from the Lord. No one in their own strength or expertise is able to give us this. This word and this ability to expect. But only God can allow us to find rest in his truth. That no matter what has come or may come, in Christ, expectation begins to build up in us. It allows us to believe in what others may not see. Have you ever believed in what others may not see? You just walked around and everyone said one thing, but you're like, well, that's not what the word of God says. My Lord sees it differently. And you begin to speak out of your mouth what others don't see. And that's what expectation does as it begins to build up in us. We, we live in hope when it seems unreasonable because we expect in him. He's, he's all-knowing and he has it all worked out in his sovereign plan. How can we not expect in him and expect from him? This is not just to receive stuff. This is just my expectation is from him. And we'll define that some more. I want you to see what we're seeing here in these last two weeks and how we're defining this. We don't just expect the benefits that we receive from the Lord. That's not what we're speaking about here fully. But we live in expectation that is in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not what we could receive from him. All the expectation is laid just on him on the person, not on what he can also give. I mean, those are bonuses. That's his grace. That's his, that's his beauty. That's his goodness. But it's laid on Jesus Christ. What I mean by that is that Christ, not his blessings, but Christ is our hope. Christ is the expectation that we're talking about here. The expectation is not, well, I hope that tomorrow when I open up my mailbox, I have an envelope. And when I open that envelope, my expectation from the Lord is that I can have $10,000 in that envelope. My expectation is not in that. My expectation is in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're taking time to develop here. I, I want to read up a, a passage. It's found in John chapter 6. It's one that maybe many of you are familiar with. And it's... A, it's it's right after um, a very important and a very popular uh, encounter that happened, with, which is when Jesus fed thousands in a crowd with five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus feeds them, and the crowd sees this, and they witness this, and they encounter this, this miracle, I guess we could say, yeah. And what they do is they go looking for Jesus. They want to see some more and what else does he have in store? And they find Jesus, and we find ourselves right after this encounter of the, of the feeding the thousands with the five loaves and the two fish of bread and two fish. Right after that, they find Jesus, and we put ourselves in John chapter 6, verse 24. Follow along with me, and let the word of the Lord bless you here today. It says here in verse 24, it says, So when the crowd saw 
that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They got in the boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake. And this is what they asked him. The conversation is going to get started. <clears throat> and they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? <clears throat> in other words, we didn't see you leave. You didn't say goodbye to us. Excuse me. <clears throat> but when did you get here? How did this happen? When did you arrive? When did you leave? And, and the question starts and, and Jesus looks at them and his reply is straight to the point. And he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me. But look what he says next. Because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs. They're running to Jesus. They cross the lake. They get to him. They find him. They say, hey, we've been looking for you. Where have you been? He says, like, right, but when, as you've been looking for me, I get it. And the truth is that you're, you want to be with me because of this thing that I did, which was feeding you. Verse 27 he says, but don't be so concerned. Re remember the blessing? Re remember the blessing? The ble well, the blessing was that he fed them and he demonstrated, he displayed, he performed the miraculous sign. That's a, that's a blessing. Maybe you've had God do a miraculous thing in your life before. Maybe you've seen the signs and wonders of God in your life before. Right? The blessings of God. But those things are not God. Those are the blessings of God. You came to me because I fed you, because of the blessing. But you're missing what it's really all about, is what he's telling the crowd. He says in verse 27, don't be so concerned about perishable things like the food that I just blessed you with. Yeah, but it was good, Jesus. Like, there was thousands among thousands. Scholars believe we've gone, I'm sorry that I'm being so repetitive always. It's more than 5,000. We know that. It says 5,000 in the Bible, but it could have been by group, so it could have been easily 15,000 or maybe even more. And five loaves of bread and two fish is a great miracle to see. And they're like, yeah, but it was a good miracle. It was a good wonder. It was a, it was, we've told everyone about it. We want to see it again. And Jesus goes straight to that issue, and he says, you're concerned about food, to see another miracle, but food perishes. Like, like money, like, like tomorrow when I wake up and I see that $10,000 in my envelope, guess what happens with that $10,000 in that envelope? I know, you're all like, well, let me perish it. It perishes. <laughs> you're probably like, give me that opportunity, I'll make it disappear. <laughs> but the reality is, it does, it disappears. Whether you make it disappear, I make it disappear, or it just... We spend it, and it's gone, and they were like, oh, I want another 10. And same thing with food, with, with all kinds of things. He says, you're concerned about perishable things like food. Look what he says. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Eternal things. Things that have no end. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And then they... What an amazing conversation this is. And they reply back to Jesus. We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? I'm wondering what they mean by that. I have fun. Like when I read the Bible, I start thinking about different things. I'm like, oh, they want to do stuff like this. They want to do like miracles. They want to do signs and wonders maybe too. Like, oh, we want to do what you did. Like we want to go and feed thousands like with, with just a bag of Oreos. I don't know, like, 
We want to we do God's works too. What, what, what should we do? Everyone say this because I think the next verse is, is amazing. What should we do? What should I do? I want to do great things. I want to do the same signs and wonders and miracles that you do. I want to lay hands and I want to see the sick come up. And I want to pray for someone and see, and, and, and see whatever I pray for come to be. And I want to believe in things that are not there and just boom, see them pop. I want to see good works. I want to see God's works, right? Everyone say this with me. Say, God, yeah, yeah, God has expectations for me. So here's the crowd and like, well, we want to do God's works and we want to do good works and we want to we do this too. And now Jesus is going to answer as you do, huh? And here's the expectations of the Father for you. Look at verse 29. So Jesus, right after they say that to him and they ask him that question, what should we do? Jesus says, okay, this is the only word God wants from you. I, I highlighted this, underlined this, circle it, whatever you need to do in your Bible. But look what Jesus says. This is what God wants. And he says, believe. Believe in the one he has sent. <gasps> you're, you're wowed about the food and the miracle. But standing before you, you haven't come to believe me. To trust in me. To know me. So if you want to do God's works, let it begin with this. Believe in me, the one that the Father sent. That's where it all starts. And then they answered, and you would think that they said, they would, okay, right there, if that was you, you would think, okay, I'm going to bow on my knees, repent, and say, Lord, have all of me. Correct? Oh, watch what they say. Right after Jesus tells them that, they answered, show us a miraculous sign. Did you not just hear what I said? I said, believe in me. And again, they went back to the signs. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. I know I could pause here, and this is where it gets dangerous when you preach. You could take so many different avenues, and it's scary because you don't want to lose what the Lord really wants to speak today. But I, I've been here, and I've had conversations with people that have been here, that God has done something in their life before, but yet it wasn't enough, and they continue to expect more and more from God. If he does not do one more thing in your life, it should be enough. Your salvation in Christ alone, it should rock your mind to be enough for the rest of your life, whether you live to an old age or you die tomorrow morning. It's enough. But I'm not going to believe in God until he does this next thing, until he gives me the $10,000 in my envelope tomorrow morning when I open up the mailbox. Until he heals me from this, until he allows my children to go through, and, and we go through all the different things that we go through. And the Lord's like, I'm enough. Not only what I could give, but me, the person, Jesus, I'm enough. I'm enough. And this is what the crowd does. I've been here, so I'm not picking or grabbing any of you. I'm telling you that in verse 30, it highlights me many times in my life when the crowd says, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you, come on, what can you do? Just a few hours ago, I wowed you with five loaves of bread and two fish. And yet again, you're asking me what I can do? The scripture is beautiful. Verse 31, because we have so much to say, it says, after all, they don't stop there. You think that they stuck their foot in their mouth deep enough already, but they're going to continue to stick, stick their foot in their mouth and dig their hole even deeper. Let's see what he con the, the crowd continues to say. And I don't think that the crowd is any different than us today. So I'm not bashing this crowd. I'm just trying to say I could relate a lot to this crowd in many episodes of my life. And if you're humble enough, you could probably say, yeah, me too. 
In 31, they say, after all, look what they say after saying, what can you do? Show us more miracles. They say, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scriptures say that Moses, everyone say Moses. Yeah, scripture says that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Mm. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. They don't even know the scripture right. Like, so Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they say, sir, give us this bread then every day. They still don't get it. So Jesus replies, I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. I hope that this conversation between the crowd and Jesus blesses you today. I hope you could see yourself at some point in it. I hope you could see the, the, the majesty of Christ in all of this. But I want you to see where this conversation is going, where it's headed, the heart behind it. Because here's Jesus and he's speaking to the crowd and what he's saying is, hey, you, you want to put your hope and you want to put your faith, your expectation. Let's go back to that word. You want to put it in what you can see, in what you can receive. All while ignoring the one that stands before you on this very day. I am sure that if we're very transparent here, we've been here where we can say, I've just wanted to receive from God, all while ignoring that his presence is right there with us in the middle of the storm. <clears throat> You're praying for... <clears throat> You're praying... And, and, and what we're praying for is <clears throat> a blessing in the storm... Without recognizing that his presence is in the storm with us. <clears throat> this, is, this is beautiful because <clears throat> we're ignoring the one that stands before. Hope, faith, expectation. Jesus is saying is in me. It's from me. So, so listen to what he's telling the crowd. Because <clears throat> I think it's going to bless us. It's not in signs. It's not in miracles. I, <clears throat> I shared with the church that we're praying for my uncle, and my uncle um, is in a very bad state with cancer. A very bad state. And uh, I think tomorrow he's going to go into another session of chemo, so keep my uncle in prayer. Um, of course. Of course I would want to walk right next to him and go, be healed. And he's healed. But I know the word of God and the relationship with God that I have too much to know that God's plan is perfect. And that God's purposes will be fulfilled. And though I may want something, I know that at the end, God is in control of whatever is and whatever may happen. I could see so easy in my life how my expectations could get twisted. And because of my craziness of twisting expectation, because we could do this a lot, I make it all about healing, healing, healing this man, which is my uncle, without really introducing him to who is the man, which is Jesus. 
And then these crazy movements get started. And all these different things start to happen. And people start to do all these weird stuff in our faith. And it's like, wait, it's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's not in the signs. It's not in the miracles. It's not in your religion. And to the crowd, it's not in your leader, the one that you just spoke of, Moses. Can you imagine a group of Jews hearing that? In about Moses? How dare you speak about Moses? You think Moses gave you bread? You think he gave hope to you? And then Jesus answers and he says, my father did. And then he continues to say, and I am the true bread of God that has come down from heaven And I'm the one that gives life. And look what Jesus says. He says, I'm the bread of life. Why? Because if you study the Old Testament, you know that if they did not eat that bread or they stored it for themselves for the next day, the next day the bread was made of mold and they could not eat it. The bread perished. And Jesus stands before them and says, this bread never grows mold. This bread gives life. (laughs) You can take all of it in. Put it in your tent and let it develop and let it grow. He says, I'm the bread of life, and if you come to me, you'll never hunger. He doesn't stop just in hunger, and you'll never thirst again. And what do they say after that? Give us it, give us it, because we want to stop hungering and thirsting then. That's a miracle. Can you imagine how much that would cost? Imagine if you could sell a pill to someone that will never hunger and thirst again. Everyone would do it. Jenny Craig and all the, all the gyms, everyone would go out of business. Sorry, the yard's done. Why? I got the pill. And the pill is, I'll never hunger and I'll never thirst again. So they all want it. It's like the woman in the Samaritan well. Well, show me this water. I want some of this so I can take it back. And he's like, I'm the water. And in this group, in this crowd, he says, I'm the bread in which you'll never hunger and thirst again. What is he telling them? You've placed your expectation in things that were good, but they aren't necessarily God. Oh, man. These are good things, but... But it does, it's not God. You, you place expectation in miracles and in signs. Like the manna, they said it, they said it. Like the manna in the wilderness. Or you placed it in leaders like Moses. So I started to read this and I asked myself this question. I actually wrote this down. Have I done this? Question mark, have I done this? So have you done this? Place your expectation on things, on good things. They're not bad things, they're good things. Give yourself a little bit of credit. They're good things. They're spi- actually, they're better than good things, Ready? They're spiritual things. We've placed our expectation on spiritual things even, but not on God himself. So I've placed my expectations on my church or on a pastor or on a preacher or on a Christian brother or a sister, a miracle maybe of the past. I've placed all my expectation on some of these things, but maybe we fail to live in the joy that your expectation is to be found in one thing, and that is Jesus Christ only. Man. That our substance is him. Listen to this. Why is my ex- expectation in Jesus only? Because I've learned to, I've grown to know this. Ready? My pastor cannot forgive me, cleanse me, sanctify me, and take away all the desires ever to thirst and hunger again for anything else outside of Jesus. My church can't do that. My pastor can't do that. Whatever organization I get involved in can't do that. Whatever I give money to cannot do that. Whatever brother so-and-so that I love and preacher so-and-so that I follow, none of those could do this. 
my substance, my only Jesus is able to forgive and cleanse and sanctify and take away any desires to ever thirst or hunger again for anything else that's outside of him. So let us not forget what we read last week. I'll read it again. It's Psalm 62. We broke this down last week, but I won't break it down again today. I'll just read through it just so you can remember that all of this is related to each other. In Psalm 62, verse 5, the psalmist says, My soul waits silently for God alone. My expectation is from him. My hope, whatever translation you're reading, is from him. He alone or he only is my rock and my salvation. Nothing and no one else is. Scripture continues to answer that everywhere you look. It's in him alone in which he is our rock and our salvation. And he is our defense in which we shall not be moved. Verse 7, in God In God, in who? It's God, is my salvation and my glory. In God is the rock of my strength and my refuge, is in God. Trust in who? God. Trust in Him. When should you trust in Him? We did this last week. At all times. At all times. Remember the mountaintop and in the valley. At all times. When you're filled with riches and when you're filled with poverty. At all times. We trust in him. You pour out your heart before him because God is a refuge for us. God's people can read this and say, hopefully, yes and amen. Yes, so be it. So as we continue to speak about expectation, we see a lot of this hope in it and we see a lot of this faith. It's all part of expectation. Let me give you the definition of expectation again. It's this, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Does that ring a bell? Does that shoot a, a, a scripture up in your mind? A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Does that do something to your spirit? It did to me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Everyone say, now faith. Faith is the substance, or one translation say, maybe the assurance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence, the proof of things not seen. Expectation and faith, they go hand in hand with one another. It's the same thing. So that definition of expectation is defined in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And maybe you're here today like, well, I have no expectation. You've ever felt like you've not had no, just no expectation? I just don't expect anything. I just have no faith. I just have no hope, just nothing. There is nothing in me. I'm just dry as a desert, just going with the flow. Hopefully I'll get somewhere. That is not what Scripture says. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Please write this in your notes. For I say through the grace, there it is, grace, because it's through his grace that we have anything. It's through his grace that I have this gift called expectation. It's through his grace that I have faith. It's through his grace. I've come to walk long enough as a Christian to recognize Oh, wait, I don't deserve any of it. It's all because of his grace that he's brought me in, and now I could stand tall with my chest out and say, because of that, I am now a son of God. My boast is not in me, but my boast is in his goodness. Look what he says. Through the grace given to me and to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly. We could really break that down a little bit, but... Let's keep reading here because this is the part where I want you to see. 
Paul, uh, he writes this in Romans 12, 3. Paul writes, as God has dealt to each one, but look what he says next. A measure of faith. Oh, but I have no faith. I have no hope. I have no expectation. Well, Romans 12, 3 says that God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. So you can't say that anymore. Not if we're going to believe in the scripture, you can't say that anymore. We all have some sort of faith, some sort of hope and expectation. So what does this look like when I ask, what do you expect? All right, I want to share something here that I hope will bless you. It's Moses. Since we spoke about Moses, I decided, you know what, I'm going to talk about Moses then. You know the story of Moses, hopefully. If not, there's this cartoon, doesn't do a great job. <laughs> but there's the Bible, you can read it. The Prince of Egypt, but really read the Bible. It does a more accurate job in defining Moses' life. But now he gets to his older years, and <clears throat> Moses is going to leave Egypt. And we know that the Lord has done great wonders, and the plagues happened, and the Lord opens up this opportunity for Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Let's go to verse 9 of Exodus 14. And I think we're going to see something beautiful here, and then we'll quickly go from there. So here it is. <clears throat> it says, The Egyptians chased after them with all the four... I'm going to read a little fast because it's a lot of scripture. Chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army. They're coming with them in strength. They're coming with all their power. All his horses and chariots, charioteers, troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel and they were camped beside the shore across... And I'm not going to give those names, all right? You don't want me to do that to you. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached them, the people of Israel looked up. Look what they did. They began to panic. They panicked. And when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they began to cry out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out of here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough grace for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? <laughs> My goodness, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone, we told you. Let us be, listen to the mentality. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses tells the people, don't be afraid. Imagine being the leader then. Imagine being Pastor Moses. <laughs> don't be afraid. <laughs> you know what he's going to do, right? He says that God... These people are killing me. <laughs> you know, he runs to the Lord in prayer always. And the Lord's like, what are you doing crying out to me? You know what it is that the Lord tells Moses, what are you doing crying to me? Who else do I cry to? I already gave you the answer. I am, I'm going to, ah, I hate when I do that. I go too ahead of myself. But Moses says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Look what Moses tells him. Man, Pastor Moses, <laughs> just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And down, deep down, under his breath, he's probably like, I really hope so. God, you better, you better come through on this one. So verse 14, the Lord himself, he says, will fight for you. And then he tells him again, don't be afraid, right? Just stay calm. Stay calm. Verse 15, then the Lord says to Moses, look at this conversation. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Come on, I get it, man. We read the Bible and we think like, oh, it's just like this awesome fantasy. 
Put yourself in these, in these shoes. What would you tell God if the Lord says, here's the stick, raise it before the water, and you're going to see it split, and everyone's going to walk through there, and everything's going to be, like, what are you going to say to God? Like, huh? Lift up a rod, a staff? Like, you want me to lift this thing up in the air? And that's what's going to happen? That's where the miracle's going to be? You're going to walk on dry land, on ground. And he says, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they're going to charge in after you. And my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, charioteers. And when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. And the pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. My God, I want to see this. Like, rewind me back in time. I want to see this. Angels behind the camp. A cloud of, a pillar of, a, cl- a cloud behind them. And I mean, amazing. So the cloud, verse 20, settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. And as darkness fell, the cloud turned into fire. Can you imagine that? This cloud that was behind them, when it turns nighttime, poof, the light turns on in it. And it becomes this ball of fire. This cloud of fire. And it starts to light up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. You better not. Not with that cloud dividing you. Filled with fire. I love verse 21. Circle it. This is what it's all about right here. Then Moses comes to the point. He raised his hand over the sea. I I mean, I'm going to come off the... I mean, this is my, my, my best rod for today. I forgot that we had this thing here. But, but this will be Moses' rod. To, maybe it was fashioned like this. I don't know if I had the ability to reign. But, but here's Moses with his staff and his rod. And when it's time to go, it says Moses raised his hand over the sea. As he raises his hand over the sea, it says the Lord opened up a path Through the water with a strong east wind, the wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. As long as Moses was doing this, they were good. Just go, go, go. My arms are getting tired. Walk, 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 walk. Walk. Everyone go. It's, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing passage, one that I know and I believe it's to be true. Moses and the Israelites face a problem in this passage. What's the problem? The impossible, the impossible is placed before them. Write this down in your notes. The impossible placed before me. Just write that. Because I know that at times past you've had impossibles placed before you. No? Well, you may have in the future an impossible placed before you. The enemies behind them, that's their impossible, <clears throat> to capture them again and, and possibly maybe kill them. This time we're not going to be nice. We're going to execute all of you. Or maybe take them back to Egypt and enslave them again with more harshness. <clears throat> but the people of Israel panicked. They complained. They confessed that their past life, please, this is, this is all of it right here. That their past life of slavery is greater than this new journey of redemption and salvation. Take us back to slavery. Because we don't like where redemption and salvation is taking us. 
Wow. You wonder why people stay back. We wonder why it's so hard to, to break through the addiction. To get free from that continual sin. From the habits that don't please God. You wonder why it's such a struggle for some or maybe for yourself. It speaks of this in Exodus. They basically tell him it was better for us to live enslaved to this and be in this mentality than to go on in this journey of redemption and salvation. See, the journey got hard. And the past life seemed easier for them at this moment. I mean, think about this. They're at the edge and the water's before them. Nothing's happened to them yet. Where's everything really happening at? It's in their mind and in their heart. Oh my gosh, Moses, you brought us here to be corpse in the wilderness. And Moses, Pastor Moses, could have looked at them and said, nothing's even happened to you yet. All you see is the dust from the chariots, but they're not even doing anything to you yet. It shows us what we are capable of. What? Driving ourselves crazy in our mind and in our hearts with something that isn't really happening. And we forget the blessing that God has right before us. And they're there and they're like, we're better off. We're better off going back to them so that we could be enslaved to them. And Moses is like, what do you mean? You're free. Now with this body of water, we're not, they're going to catch up to us. But have they caught up? Are they here yet? Have they killed one of you yet? Has one arrow struck the ground? Has one of your children been hurt? But they panicked and they complained. The journey got hard and the past seemed easier. Sin and captivity rather than living in freedom and in faith, trusting and living in expectation. Moses, you brought us this far. The river turning into blood, the frogs and the locusts and all that was good enough for me to believe. You brought us this far and the Lord has brought us this far. So if he's able to do all of that, what is this sea in comparison to what happened in Egypt? What are these enemies in comparison to what happened in Egypt? That's what we should have said. That's what they should have said. Moses had to do what no one else was willing to do. So I want to speak to your heart for a moment. And take this as you feel it fits. You may live in a time when everyone may say one thing and they may voice what is popular. They may voice what is easier to say and so on and so forth. But here, here we are and like Moses we're called to live in the expectation that has been given to us from the Lord because we are in him. And they may look foolish. It may look so foolish as lifting up a rod like Moses did. Imagine Moses like standing before the crowds of Israelites and he does this. And everyone in the back is like, he's lost his mind. I would. I'll say, he's crazy. I'm wondering if the Lord like automatically, like did he make him do it a couple? Like, I don't know. Like if I was God, I'd mess with Moses a little bit. But he's like, and the crowd's looking at him. What is he doing? And out of nowhere, I mean, there was a, what is it, an east wind. So there was a storm. And it, you, they heard the turmoil and they saw the wind and they saw everything happening. And then they saw two massive walls begin to build up of water and then dry ground. I mean, what an amazing 
What an amazing scene. And it may look foolish. Like raising a rod before a sea. But what do we do? We do it anyway. Because obeying his word, obeying his voice is far greater than obeying the opinionated voices of those around you. Moses lifting his rod and the sea splitting in two shows me more about God than it does Moses. I do see how a man's faith is placed in what he hopes, Hebrews 11.1, for and what he hopes for and to give evidence in what is not seen. I see that in Moses. But that faith and that expectation is from the Lord. So with that said, listen, church, Moses never split the sea. If you were asked a question, well, who in the Bible split the Red Sea? And you answered it, Moses. The answer is wrong. Moses never split the Red Sea. God split it. Guess what else Moses never did? Moses never gave them bread. Guess who gave them bread in the wilderness? God did. Don't ever get this stuff wrong. So all I could say is, amen, I, I don't glory in Moses the person, but I glory in the faith and the expectation that he had because that faith and that expectation is the very God that you and I worship, pray, and serve. That's what I glory in. When I look at the man of God, I say he's just the man of God that God uses, but I look at his faith, I look at his expectation, I look at his hope, and that awe is Jesus Christ. That's what I glory in. If you keep that fire burning in you, I'll follow that for the rest of my life, but don't ever let the expectation and hope and faith leave you because then you're just a man that is walking with your talents and not with the glory and the anointing of God. Hallelujah. And that's what Moses had. Expectation and faith and hope and, and church. My question to you is, come on, what do you expect? I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to lift up my rod. And know that God is more than enough. Whether he splits the sea or not. Whatever happens is his doing. It's his glory. It's all for his honor. Here's the answer. My expectation is from the Lord. That's it. It's from the Lord. I won't read these passages to you, but I thought about two. I mean, there's, I, mean I thought about a, a bunch in my mind, but I grabbed two popular ones. You've ever read about the lame man in the pool of Bethesda? It's a great story. Jesus goes, Jesus takes a journey one day, and I'm, I'm wrapping this up, I'm closing now, but Jesus kind of comes in, he sees the commotion by the sheep gate in the pool of Bethesda, and he sees that there's crowds of sick people, there's lame, paralyzed, all kinds of sick people in the porch there by the water, and one of the men is lying there, and he's been sick, guess for how many years? Not for like a week, two weeks, three weeks, or a lingering cough for four weeks. <laughs> I'm talking about a man who is paralyzed for 38 years years. Everyone say 38. All right, that's a lot of years being paralyzed. And out of all the questions to ask him, Jesus says, an amazing question, would you like to get well? 
I mean, I've only been like this for 38 years. Of course I would like to be made well. He says, so what's going on? He's like, well, I come here every day. And I hope to jump into these waters. And I can't, sir. For I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up and it springs up. And someone else jumps in before me. And Jesus is, like, oh, man, I wish, another situation that I wish I was there to see. He looks at the lame man. He want to be made well, right? Having this talk. And he looks at the waters that the man's talking about. And, 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 and whether it was real angels that stirred it or it was like more of a myth. We could talk about that. And, but I don't even think that's the whole part of the story. The water's bubbling up and people are trying to run into that for them to get healed. The, the, the issue of the story is this right here. Like, you want to be made well? Well, I can't get to the waters. And for 38 years, I've been in this condition. And Jesus just looks at him, looks at the waters. Right? Can't you see Jesus doing something like this? And just looks right back at him. What do you think the next thing is that he says? In um, John chapter 5, in this story, the man of the pool, Bethesda, he says this to him. All right. Stand up. Pick up your mat. And walk. For 38 years, this man's been laying there. He probably looks at Jesus and says, funny. Do you know how many times I've tried to stand up, pick up my mat, and walk? I've tried it for 38 years every day. And who are you? I'm thinking this, ready? That that man, what he really wanted from Jesus was, I wish my son was here. I would do it with him. It's to pick him up. And say, I got you, dude. Let's go. I'll put you in the water. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't take him to the waters. Just like he doesn't give the crowds in the story that we started with more bread. I won't give you more water and I won't give you more bread. Do you want to take a guess why Jesus won't give him more water and why Jesus won't give them more bread? Because, well, we already answered the first one. Because I am the bread. And what's the problem with this situation? That water? That's going to perish. So what is Jesus telling him? I am the water. <laughs> oh man, that's a whole other message. But I am the water. So he doesn't have to throw him into the water. I read something this week saying, you know, we need to stop saying, um, the day I accepted Jesus. And we need to start saying, the day that the Lord saved me. Yeah. <laughs> It's the day that the water came to him. He couldn't do anything to get to the water. It was what the water did for him. He says what? Pick up your bed. Stand up. Come on, pick it up and walk. All right, so what what can I say? I don't have time to get into all of this, but the man lives in expectation, but in the wrong thing. I want to go into the waters. And he learns in this moment that his expectation is only from the Lord. It's not in the waters. It's in him so much that they see him later on. They're like, who, who healed you? Like, I don't know, some man healed me. Later on, Jesus runs into him again. Here's the man that healed me. And he comes to know Jesus. Beautiful story. I'm asking you a question here. Have you put expectation in the wrong thing, in the wrong person? You're looking for waters and the water standing before you. Amen? All right, I'll, I'll finish with this. Well, not really finish, but finishing, finishing. There's a woman with a flow of blood. You've ever heard that story? The crowd is so much. I like this story so much too. Jesus going through the crowd. There's so many people touching him all over, touching him all over. She says, oh my gosh, if I could just get to him. And she gets on the ground and she's on the floor. She's an outcast. She's already pushed away from the crowd because she has this um, sickness with the flow of blood. And if you study 
the Old Testament, she's isolated, outcasted, she's unclean, and she comes in amongst clean people, supposedly, and she's rushed, rubbing through the ground, and she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garments, and when she just nips his clothes, just touches the hem of his garments, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And the disciples said, you've lost your mind too? Every single hand here has touched you, thousands of hands. He goes, no, 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 there's one that touched me different than the rest of all these hands. Because I think that people were just touching him. Let me see what I could get from him. Let me see what I could receive. But I think he felt expectation come out. He says, no, no, you see, everyone touched me, but this woman touched me because she recognized that her expectation is from the Lord. It's from the Lord. Everyone was just trying to get a piece. But this woman touched me differently. The woman, fearing, trembling, knowing what she had done, came, fell down before him, and she told him the whole truth. It was me. It was me. I touched you. And he looks at her and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. But you know, if you read the rest of that story from in Mark chapter 5, and it's in the other Gospels as well, the Bible says that she spent all the money. She went to all the physicians. She went everywhere to look for healing, and no one was able to heal the woman with the flow of blood. Have you ever read that? All expectation, listen to this, was wasted in other things and had to be put, had to be put on the line on the only thing, on the only one. And at that moment, she had to come to realize it was Jesus only. He alone can do what no other doctor, physician, listen, therapy is good and counseling is good. And I'm not telling you if you're going to therapy to cancel your therapy sessions. I'm not telling you to stop your counseling sessions. I'm not telling you to stop your medication either. Medication could be good. All these things can be good. But none of them, none of them is the answer. The only answer is Jesus. And the woman with the flow of blood had to recognize, I lost all my money on all these expectations. But today I come to know that my expectation is not just in him. My expectation is from him. Amen? So church, what good is everything you do if you don't trust? I'm going to end, and to end, I have to go back to the beginning of my message. What good is everything you do if you don't trust, if you don't believe in the very one he sent to you? Your faith, your trust, your expectation in Christ, your expectation from Christ is greater than your works for him. Your works are good and keep doing the works, but your works are not Christ. Only if one thing, well, let's, let's keep going, I'll answer it. Let our faith, let your faith and all of ours, our expectation, let our trust be established so that when it's our works, so that our works would then glorify our Father in heaven. And we read this text last week and we did a whole series on it. Colossians chapter 4 verse 16, I'll read it again. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and that then in return what? That they would glorify your Father that is in heaven. That our works would glorify the faith and expectation that is from him and in him.
If there's anything that you see in man, let it be because you see Christ in all of it. That's it. The works of man can be glorified if it fully glorifies Christ, honors him. Come on, church. Our expectation is in, our expectation is from the Lord. Come on. Lift up your rod, even when it doesn't make sense, and say, my expectation is from him. The voices may say a million things, but all I need to hear is one thing from the Lord. One thing from the Lord. And that's where my expectation is from. Can you stand with me this morning? I want to pray with you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for such a moment. And I thank you for this word. Because Lord, at no time in this message am I trying to pretend like I haven't fallen in this. And no time in this message am I trying to make it look like I hadn't placed my expectations in other things, in other people. In the things that you can give rather just in you. Lord, I could relate to this message. But that Lord, you're, you're speaking to this family and you're speaking a different word there's so many different messages out there. I could have come up here and I could, we could have told everyone, come on, speak it, claim it, and it will be. But sometimes we could discourage people because they're speaking and claiming so many things and it never happens and they get discouraged because they feel like, well, maybe God really isn't there. Because we made the blessing God. And we made it all about what we can receive. But here at RNS for the last two weeks, we're, we're not discrediting the blessing because it's a beautiful thing. It comes from you. But we're highlighting and we're magnifying the blesser. And instead of saying to people, claim what you desire and it will come. There's power in your tongue. Instead of saying that, we're telling the church, claim Jesus and speak the blesser and find the blesser and believe in the blesser. And you'll see that there is where all things will be found. Lord, I pray that you would really build, in, build up in us expectation. That we would truly be godly, biblical, God-fearing people in this land. That we would live in the fullness of what you're calling us to. Even when we're different than the rest of the world, even when our voice sounds different, even when everyone is saying another thing, but I'm deciding, no, I'm going to lift up what God told me to lift up, even if no one else wants to lift it up with me. Because I've come to realize that maybe I've wasted all my expectation on things that didn't work, or I've placed on expectation on other things, and that didn't work either. But I've come, I've been confronted by my expectation, and it's you. By my faith, my faith is in you. By hope, my hope is you. All of it is you. And right there is where I'm whole. Teach us to be such people. So this is what I would like to do as you're just in this moment of prayer. Maybe this is you today. Lord, I pray for any brother or sister right now that feels that this is their struggle, their current struggle. 
where expectation has, co- has fallen off a little bit or a lot of bit. <laughs> Their expectation has been twisted and turned and placed on various things, Lord. You know who each one of us and you know who they are. And Lord, I'm right alongside them, praying on their behalf, but also praying for myself and saying, Lord, thank you for my brother and thank you for my sister. That Lord, that from this moment forward, they would see these scriptures differently and see you differently and that their expectation would be in you, that their expectation would be from you, that they would not look at it in the waters of this land, that they would not look at it from the other physicians in this land, that they would not look at it in other voices that may seem reasonable and knowledgeable and wise and understanding, but that they would place all of it, all trust, all belief, all faith, all hope, all expectation in you because they've learned that it's all from you. I pray strength and I pray courage and I pray hope and I pray expectation and I pray faith in my brother and in my sister. And as I pray hope and expectation and faith in them, I'm praying Jesus in them. I'm praying Jesus in them, that Jesus, you would be more that Jesus you would be enough that Jesus you would explode in them that Jesus you would magnify in them that your expectation and hope and faith which is grace and your gift given to each one of them that that right there Lord God would explode and magnify and multiply and that it would bless the multitudes of people that they would see their great works and glorify their father who's in heaven because they have expectation from the Lord bless them anoint them and glorify Glorify them with your great glory and grace. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we honor you. It's in Jesus Christ. We say and we pray and we do all these things. In your mighty name and together nest we say, amen. And amen. Come on, give him praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's so good. Our God is good.